and well met, weary traveler. Welcome. I am Mike Perna, your resident dwarf bard, and this is another breakout session of LTNCon 2021. You may remember me from last year, but in case you're new, let me break down a little bit of who I am and what I do. I'm the president of Inroads Ministries. We're a 501c3 organization that works with churches and community groups to use tabletop gaming, so board games, card games, and, t and pen and paper role-playing games, to build relationships that demonstrate the love of God across the gaming table. If you were here last year, then you might have seen me do a couple different sessions there as well, one of which I might have been dressed up like a dwarf and talked in a terrible accent, but the other one was where I talked about a core concept of what we do at Inroads, which is the, the creation of the open table, an environment where everyone is welcome. As long as they want to be part of what's going on at that table, they have a seat there and they will be made to feel not only just accept, like not just allowed or tolerated, but accepted and welcomed. I kind of want to actually spend this session expounding on that for a little bit because something that got brought up a lot in the discussion afterwards which not everybody got to see was this idea that it was something that i mentioned in passing as part of what explaining the open table but it, it stirred up a lot of questions and, and somebody who didn't thought they were going to go into the the afters thought literally came in only to ask me questions about how this worked it was the concept of the no preaching rule, which was one of the first things we established at Inroads. We it seems weird that an, an organization that does a lot of stuff like pretty much most of what we end up doing with churches, at least at the beginning of our relationship, is to tell them how to do outreach via games. And so you'd think that when you're establishing this relationship with churches about how to do outreach, and you say the very first rule is that there's no preaching here. It sounds weird, it sounds dissonant to your ear, but I want to take a little bit of time to break down a little bit of why we got there, what it isn't, the traps that you can fall into when you hear those words together, and then kind of break down the usefulness of it and how you can use it in your ministry to, to use games as well. The first thing really comes out of a lot of our own personal philosophy. I'm real big on stories. There's a reason why I call myself a bard. Stories are everywhere. We all tell them. We've all been telling them since the beginning of time. They're also a part of how we learn about God. So much of the scriptures are written in a very story-based format. The gospel, in fact, is a story, one that's driven and enacted by God. It's a story about how God loved us even when we had rejected him about how God died for us, even though we would still choose to live like he didn't, and how we will spend eternity in glory with him despite not ever being able to do anything to deserve it. It's literally the most beautiful story ever told. But the thing is, is that sometimes the way we choose to tell that story, well, that does more for putting bricks back into the wall that Christ himself destroyed. So what is the no preaching rule? The no preaching rule at its core is a, a, well, it's pretty much a sentence. It's a promise, really, to anyone who comes to our events. You will never hear a sermon that we did not tell you ahead of time to expect. We don't do gospel presentations. We don't do sermons. We don't do messages 
no matter what catchphrase you want to throw on that, we simply don't do them. We never plan for those in our events. In fact, uh, the only plan that we have is to continually play games for whatever the duration of that event is. That's pretty much our plan. And so it seems like it it's not intentional. It seems like we, we would be kind of breaking down into the, 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 the problem that's, that's Francis of Assisi, or at least that's who's quoted as saying this often. I don't know if he was the originator of it. Uh, there's been some questions about that, but I don't care. His, his, we'll, we'll just allow for it to be him. And the, that quote is, is that preach the gospel always and when necessary use words. And a lot of people use that to say, oh, you don't, you don't need to, it's about how you act with people. You don't need to use words. And a lot of people, when I say the no preaching rule, they say, oh, you're, you're just doing that. It's, it's great. You know, when necessary, use words. It's more about how you act with people. Yes and no. I'm a big proponent of words. I think that to truly understand God and who he is and what he does, specifically what he's done for us in the gospel, you need to use words. I, you can point to scriptures that say that, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, but looking at the stars can tell you that God exists, but it's not going to tell you that Christ died for your sins. <laughs> you need to be able to tell this story, but that's just it. You need to tell a story. It needs to be something that people can engage with, that people can appreciate. And quite frankly, it needs to be told better than they've probably been told it before. So let's talk about what it isn't. It isn't that you're not talking about God or that you're not allowed to talk about God or religion or faith or any of those big concepts that people don't want to talk about. In fact, I always encourage everybody from the one-time volunteer all the way up to my board that your faith and telling your faith story should always be a part of what you're doing here. But it should be a part of the conversation. And a lot of that is birthed out of the fact that if, if we believe what God has said, if we believed that Christ had died for us and that our faith in him has saved us, that we have the Holy Spirit, if we believe that, then our life is forever transformed. Our life is different. And God is in everything. We are indwelled with his spirit. So why do we need to manufacture a Jesus moment? Why do we need to manufacture conversations about God? If God's really as important as we say that he is in our lives, he'll come up. Whether it's right out the gate or a little bit down the road, he'll come up. And when he does, it will be out of a, a part of the conversations that we're having, a part of sharing our lives with each other. If, if God is everything to you and you're not sharing him, is he really everything to you? Now, I don't, you don't need to be able to, you know, pronounce, you know, all the, the Romans road and, or whatever, whatever particular format that it used to take to share the gospel. You don't need to be able to do that. What you need to be able to do is to, to give wit and I'll, I'll cite this scripture later. You need to be able to be prepared to tell people what God has done for you. Tell stories about what he has done in a way that is natural in a way that shows that you're not trying to tick a box. 
but it's a way that, that you're just, man, God is important to me. You are important to me. And because you are important to me and God is important to me, I want to tell you about God. Now, sometimes that might show up like sharing scripture references and doing a gospel presentation, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just that place of, I want you to know that I follow God. And I want you to know that I, I want you to follow God too. I want you to, to, to know what I know, be in part of this relationship that I know of. But right now we're going to roll these dice. <laughs> I've often talked about the fact that uh, I played D&D with the same group of guys for 10 years. Now, not many, if any of them, have made any kind of declaration of faith, but they all know that if they have questions about God, they know they can come to me. When, when many of them have gotten married, I'm the guy who performed it. When uh, one, of the, one of the guys ended up having to go into the hospital very, you know, not, well, kind of suddenly, actually, to get surgery because they found out that he had a form of cancer, I got called. Because they, they knew that God is important to me, that they could have those conversations with me because we'd spent 10 years playing together. And I always told them, I told them when God was doing something wonderful in my life, I told them when, when I was struggling and I was crying out to God, but he wasn't answering me. And I told them how frustrating that was. I shared that part of myself with them and that let them know that when they have questions about who God is or what God's doing, when, when somebody needs to talk to God on their behalf, they knew they could come to me. And it's always been this natural outpouring of us drawing closer in a relationship. That's what the rule is. I don't want the gospel, the, the way I've often described it in the past, and will continue to, as long as, as long as this illustration becomes, you know, viable because fewer and fewer people understand this. Uh, there's an idea of a timeshare and what a timeshare is, is this, is this place, it's this house or whatever, and you only own it for part of the year. But inf infamously, at least, you know, I, I found out about it when I was a kid, you know, watching cartoons that reference this as jokes. Uh, but what, what they do is, is that they'd say, oh, come get this boat or come win this prize or come get this gift card for whoever. And all you have to do is just come to this event. And what this event was, was selling you this timeshare in a very high pressure, you know, angsty kind of way. They said, now that we've got you here, now we can give you what we really want to do, which is trying to, you know, get your money. And I, I hate to say that this has been the case, but I know I spent time in, in a lot, spent a lot of time in youth ministry, both as a volunteer and as a youth pastor. I've, I've made events that do this. And I'm pretty sure that if you've spent any time in the church, you've been to these events. Come to this great event, come this great uh, event where we have these giant inflatable, crazy things that you can jump on or come to this. We're going to go out to the arcade or we're going to go to this or that or this or that. And it sounds like this really cool, fun time because they never mention the fact that about halfway through, there's going to be about 20 to 30 minutes of sitting and listening to somebody do a gospel presentation. They blindside you. They gave you this, the timeshare sales pitch, the bait and switch. And see, here's the thing. I will quote a, a movie that I've quoted. I, I, ever since I've seen this movie, I've quoted this movie. And it's called The Big Kahuna. Definitely look it up. 
if you're seeing surfer pictures, don't. If you're seeing Danny DeVito in a hotel room, that's your one. Uh, but in this point, there, there, he's Danny DeVito plays a salesman, and he looks at this other character, and he says, the minute you grab hold of a conversation and twist it, you're no longer having a conversation. You're making a sales pitch. And you're no longer a human being. You're a marketing rep. And in the context, he says that, that you selling Jesus is no different than, than uh, Bob selling industrial lubricant. And that struck me, and it still struck me, it's why this rule happens. Because so many times I orchestrated that. I, I, I manufactured the Jesus moment. I manufactured this time when, you know, this high pressure instance where somebody's going to have to look at somebody and go, I was even, I wasn't taught this, which, which I, this is even off my, my script and my outline and everything, I'm, but I'm still going to bring this to you because it just, it just, even now is striking me. I was taught to look somebody dead in the eye and say, is there any reason you can't believe in Jesus right now? Man, that's that's awkward. I guess it's fine if they say no and they believe in Jesus, but if they don't, they are looking at somebody who they probably met an hour ago in this very high-pressure situation, and if you think that that's going to change a life, I hate to tell you, no. And in fact, a lot of people who I have shared faith with that way, if they made a profession of faith, they've since walked away because they never really cared so much as I pressured them into it. So what does it mean when people understand that they're not going to get a sermon? What does it do? What does it it communicate to them? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that it builds trust because after years of doing events like this, I will tell you that I've had e- even had believers who are, are sold out for Jesus come up to me and said, wow, I I was expecting you to stop us from playing games to, to hear a sermon. I, I'm pleasantly surprised that that didn't happen. I've had people who almost would not come to the event because I hate to tell you, that's the way things are right now. The minute you tie an event to a church and you're bringing somebody who isn't part of that church or part of another church, you already have a hurdle to come over because a lot of times they either have no interaction with, with Christians at all. And they're only seeing what is happening to their friends and the people on, and on TV, or they have had interactions with Christianity and it's been really bad. It's been painful. It's been hurtful on a deep level. And words like betrayal are involved and, and heartache. And you're, these are all things that are going to automatically set them to not listen to you and not care about what you say at all. Or expect the sales pitch. One One thing that we've also seen over the years is that a lot of people expect yeah, you're going to get me to come in, but then you're going to have this really high pressure moment of, if you don't believe in Jesus, don't come back. And it's been really interesting to see that people who, people who still to this day have never made any kind of profession of faith or believe something else or, or all manner of different things. We have 
seen people come through our doors across all manner of humanity. And in every instance, there's been this, this appreciation for what we do. Even if they don't believe it, there's this appreciation of, of caring for these people. And I don't know, my prayer and my, my continued prayer is that these people will see God. But I'm also going to trust in that, that he's doing it and not me. We'll get to there too. Part of this concept of trust that I, and, and why we say that you're not going to hear a sermon. We don't say you're not going to hear about Jesus. We say you're not going to hear a sermon is because there's a concept that's been out for a while. And I by a while, I mean like a hundred, 200 years. And it's called the magic circle. If you've ever done game design, if you've ever done anything with theater or really a lot of different creative things, you've probably heard of the concept of the magic circle. Well, I actually tracked down the quote that is pretty much the birth of that magic circle concept to explain a little bit of it. It's, it's a little bit technical and a little bit wordy because of when it was written, but uh, it's actually by a gentleman, a historian by the name of Johann Heisinger, and the book is Homo Ludens, A Study of the Play Element in Culture, and... I will actually recommend this book if you're really interested in the concept of play and what play does and what play looks like, not necessarily from a any kind of religious perspective, but from a historical perspective. Pick it up. It is wordy and heavy, but well worth your time. Uh, I will, I'm just going to read this quote, and we're going to talk about what this means. All play moves and has its being within a playground marked off beforehand, either materially or ideally, deliberately or as a matter of course. Just as there is no formal difference between play and ritual, so the consecrated spot cannot be formally distinguished from the playground. The arena, the card table, the magic circle, the temple, the stage, the screen, the tennis court, the court of justice, etc. are all in form and function playgrounds i.e. forbidden spots, isolated, hedged round, hallowed, within which special rules obtain. All the temporary worlds within the ordinary world, dedicated to the performance of an act apart. While you are in this space, you are there are certain rules that you understand. There are certain things that you have come to accept. You, when When you say, come to a gaming event... The magic circle here is we're going to play games together. Unless you state otherwise, that is the circle that you've created. We are going to come together and play games. The minute you interject something else into that, you have broken that trust. You have broken that circle. You have ruined that moment. That trust is important because that is when you start building. You... you, your words have validity. Your Not only does your words have validity that when you say a, a thing's going to happen, it's going to happen the way you said it was going to happen, but it also gives validity to when you say God does things and God is good and God has, has saved us. When you make statements like that, if you do not have, tr- if you've broken the simple trust of you told me we were going to play games, not hear a 20 minute sermon. If you can't handle that level of trust, why are they going to believe you anything? about what you say about God. You can't even make a flyer that gives honesty. It also shows 
that the I, I mentioned this already that so many people f have felt this with us. It shows that the people who come are valued regardless of whether they tick the right box when they leave. We're going to talk about scripture now. And I, I there's a, a handful of different things that these scriptures are going to bring up. I picked them for very specific reasons. But one of the things that it's going to point out is just the fact that it's God's love that saves anybody. And that God acting in love is what does everything. A passage that I didn't bring up is that it, it's God's love that leads us to repentance. And I, I, I can't help but, but dwell on the fact that, man, none of us have ever deserved any of this. None of us will ever deserve any of this. Whether we follow God perfectly or not, we don't deserve this. And guess what? We don't, we don't serve God perfectly. So I want people to understand that they are loved and valued by me and by God, whether they've accepted him or not, that, that they have a value. And yeah, that happens whether they we're when we're playing this game, when we're talking, when we're enjoying snacks together, no, no matter what we're doing, they, I, I care about them. I value them. And saying that we're not here to, to get you into a sermon. It tells them that, that we want you to meet God because we think God is awesome. Not because we want you on the team. All right, let, let, I've done way too much talking. I want to end kind of going through some scriptures of, of why, because one of the things that people say is like, oh, but the Bible says this. And I go, I agree with you, but let me talk about these verses and why I think these verses are just some of what I think when I look at the entirety of scripture, some of the ways that I think that, that undergird and under, you know, you know gives strength and foundation to why I think we don't need a gospel presentation to present the gospel. The first one is pretty long. It's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of this, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do work, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't have to go too much into this one because I'm pretty sure that everyone has, has heard this in, in regards to, to the act of sharing the gospel. But I want to point something out. Every single time there is a verb in here it is god doing it 
God saves us. God loves us. God lifts us. Every single time there is some act of, of gospel verbiage here, it is God doing it. So one of the things that I got asked last year is, but what if somebody needs to hear it right now? I said, okay, that might happen. It has happened. But God is the one who says it happens. God is the one who, who says this person right now, maybe, maybe take a little bit more time to be direct with them. And it happens, it has happened, but it happens rarely, but it's not my planning on doing it. It's God because God is the one who does it. God is the one who saves anybody. God is the one who speaks. And I am allowed to participate in that. We are allowed to participate in that. We are not necessary. God has, has and will continue to use all manner of ways to communicate himself to other people. We get to. So whether I, you know, set apart a little bit of time to share these passages or not, it's not going to stop God from doing what God does. So, yeah, I'm going to be looking for, for ways that I can share who God is. I'm looking for ways that I can share God out of, out of what God has done for me because I just want to, but I don't need to like make it a thing, make it a production. I'm just having conversations with people. I love them and I love God and I will let God do the work. The next one uh, is another one that's about the idea of, Oh, you need to make sure you're saying things and, and doing these, which is again, a, a, a not non-understandable reaction, but I just want to bring this one up too. First Peter three verses 15 and 16. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. Here's the part that I'm going to set apart here, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, but do so with gentleness and respect. If I tell you we're going to have a gospel moment, we're going to have a sermon, we're going to have a message, that's with gentleness and respect. But if I didn't, if I didn't tell you to expect that, and you're coming in not knowing who God is, am I treating your time with gentleness and respect? You came in to do something else. You came in trusting me when I told you we were doing something else. Look, I, I talk to people about God all the time, but it is always just because I want to talk about what God's done in my life and I want them to know about it so that God can do that in their life too. And that they can know that he's there. I don't do it to make sure they hear. I don't have to. If I give myself to God, I really hope that God's already doing that. The last one, the last one that says that, that is my, my go-to for no matter what you're doing, you should be enacting the truths of God. And not only should you be enacting them, you should, should be willing to share them and to, to have them be everything of your being. Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. 
You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates, that your day that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. This is a a whole thing about the idea of of it. It's not just everything you do, but the things you say, you should teach your children. You should be speaking these things, but they should just be a part of who you are. Again, not requiring a manufactured moment, but just sharing God, sharing your story of God in your life. That is, demonstrative of the gospel. So I hope that this has made sense. I hope that when I tell you that, that we promise to not give a sermon, that doesn't mean we're not talking about Jesus. I hope that this actually gives you a little bit more freedom to talk about God because you're not worried about whether you sound good or not, that you're actually going to be able to trust God in the story of what he has done in your life to share that more, more openly and more honestly and more widely. Because I think that so many of us have been brought up with this understanding of you need to get them the gospel without realizing that it's God anyway. It's always God. It's not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to talk about God. It's our responsibility to share it. But it's not our responsibility to do it in some kind of polished presentation. It's not our responsibility to do that in some kind of sales pitch. It's our responsibility to share our transformed life, to speak the truths of God into somebody else and let God do that. So how can you, how can you do this for yourself? Uh, these are going to sound kind of broad spectrum, but I really hope that you can, can grab hold of them. Uh, play without agenda, just play with people. The only intention that you should have when playing with people is to draw closer to them, to learn more about them, to hear their story, to know who they are, and to, I know this is crazy, have fun with them. Because God will present times when you can can share something about yourself, but if, if if you're playing to get to that, you'll end up jumping the gun. You'll be so anxious to, to share that, that you stop caring about this person and start and start caring more about how we can get this person to Jesus. Care about the person, care about the moment, and let God handle it. Don't manufacture Jesus moments. Just share your story. And when you're sharing stories, be sure to let them share theirs too, with no condemnation I mean, you can can ask questions. You can do all sorts of stuff to interact with their story. You can even say how their story is different than yours. But listen. Listen a lot. And you'll be amazed at what that can do in the life of a person, just to have somebody hear their story. It builds that trust. It builds that relationship. It It lets them know that you're not speaking to get them to something or to, to convince them of something you're speaking. Cause 
it's just something you care about. It's something that you've seen, you've witnessed, and you've experienced. That it's not empty words. And lastly, the one that always seems like it, at least at least for us here in the states, here in America, it sounds weird to say this is just that it seems hard. It, it shouldn't be hard, but it seems hard. Pray and trust God. Uh, I often, if not always, you know, get everybody together as if I can for a moment of prayer before we open doors at a game event. I want God to be all up and through that event, especially when it comes to church stuff. But even when I'm doing other things, I want God to be all up and through that. I want, I want God to speak into lives, speak truth into lives. I, I want him to, to speak love and care when in, in lives that don't know what that feels like. I, I want all of that. The hard part is trusting him to do it. That there's nothing in me that will make that happen, but it's him. And if you can do that, you will not have to manufacture a moment. You will not have to have a sermon. You will not have to plan on sharing the gospel. It will flow through you, out of your mouth, and into their lives. As the Holy Spirit blesses what you've done. I hope that you will leave here and, and be excited about this. The idea of, of being able to trust God more when it comes to sharing the gospel. And if you want to go out and do big gospel events, please do. Just make sure you tell them that. Don't, don't sell them on something else. The gospel is too wonderful and too beautiful to be denigrated to a sales pitch. If you're still around, please come come and come talk with me afterwards in the, the other the end of the breakout session. Uh, I will be happy to talk more about this or just talk about random nonsense. I love random nonsense too. Uh, it's been an absolute joy to be with you in this moment, and I hope you have an amazing time at the con or have you know or already have had an amazing time at the con. Hopefully, I'll see you here again next year.